welcome back to another episode of The Ribbon. Today, we are going to explore self-service portals in publishing. Self-service is a bit of a hit in other industries, but we often find it's a bit of a hit and miss in publishing. So we're going to put the common arguments against portals to our studio audience and see what they think. We're going to explore this topic today with Vanessa from the Ribbonfish project management team and Sanjeev, the head of strategy at Ribbonfish. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here, as always. Kevin, good to be here. Nice. So, interesting. Portals. Portals, portals, portals. For me, I think it's quite a good time to talk self-service and portals because at the moment it's getting quite cold, at least here in the UK. And if I had the choice to self-serve on a few things, I would certainly do so on some days of the winter period. Uh, and actually, I was reading a report from MMH recently, and it said that seven in 10 people felt that they had improved satisfaction with self-service. Uh, and there was also actually a, a report from Proficient Market Insights recently that was showing that there's going to be, or there's expected to be a bit of growth in this sort of area over the next sort of five years. So self-service, I mean, I've already said in the introduction that it's a, it seems to be quite a hit in other industries, not so much maybe in publishing, at least from my perspective. And, and what I want to do is just open up the first question to you both and just ask, you know, what are publishing portals? Whenever we talk about publishing portals, what do we mean? So I'll take that one first, Kevin. So publishing portals essentially have been, as in other industries, to have been opened up, uh, you know, to the wider public in general on the one hand, and also to authors who supply a lot of the content for publishers. So there are two sides here. Um, what you said in the beginning that it's not really taken off in publishing is quite right. I think there was a desire to do so when you know all of the industries were adopting digital technologies and portals. There was a lot of investment made. But ultimately, it boiled down to providing a catalog of products and it stayed there. It didn't diversify into other areas of self-service portals. And there are various reasons for that. But that's so for publishing, it has unfortunately remained at primarily product shop window. Okay, that makes sense. And in terms of the different types of portals that, let's say, exist or we want them to exist or maybe publishers want them to exist. Can you list a couple and maybe give a quick definition of each one? Sure. So there are a number of ways portals can help. So again, in terms of self-service on the author side, there are plenty of fun there's plenty of functionality that can be delivered through a portal. So for instance, uh, you can have royalty statements for authors via a portal. You can have, you know, service, uh, author services, for them, uh, you can have a dashboard of, uh, you know, what uh, their submissions have been, especially when it comes to, like, say, journal publishing, and and the status of their submissions. There's all of that on the on the author side, and it could even be expanded onto a community of third parties. So you can have a portal for people who review a lot of the publishing products. So, you know, your reviewers in various newspapers, etc. Uh, and then finally, on the customer side, you will have your readers. Now, typically, publishers tend to sell through third-party agencies and distributors. So there is a sort of a lost, you know, there's a gap between 
publishers and the and the final end consumers and this is a great way of connecting with your readers so you could have you know an online community of readers as well okay that sounds good so it sounds like as a very nice sort of baseline of products that could be there to meet some some interesting use cases now what i want to do next is actually we've we've spoken to quite a few publishers over the past couple of weeks and months and we've mentioned author portals to them and generally speaking we've got a a mixed response so some people say oh yeah i want to i want to have an author portal i want to explore this it's a, it's a it's a big priority and some people have said oh oh no it's not worth the hassle and what i want to do is i want to give you some of the common points that people have had against portals i want i want to get your response on it you know an open response is is it a is it a good point is it a bad point or you know is there different ways to look at things So without further ado I want to go into the first point and this is the point that came up probably the most whenever we were talking to publishers about portals and and the point was essentially something along the lines of oh you know a portal oof, it lacks human interactions my authors love talking to me I love talking to them surely a self-service portal will lose authors instead of gaining them so that was quite a common sort of approach and again I paraphrase that from from speaking to different people what do you say to that so i think that, first of all that is a very valid point now publishing thrives on individual relationships and i don't think that we should be looking at portals to take away from that i would view portals as um, an additional support to that direct relationship that many publishers have with authors and uh, you know it this this helps a lot of authors to get information whenever they want but at the same time their direct line to publishers is always open if they wish to you know contact their publishers and speak to them i think there's also a generational thing here so i think a lot of you know the next generation are much more comfortable online so not mm-hmm. having a portal i think is probably you know you're missing a trick i've got to agree with you there sanjeev i think there's so many different uses of portals and self-service and communities that people are used to in every sort of industry so outside of publishing even when you think to your doctors now you can just you can self-serve at your doctors and and in in every aspect so if you're used to it in other areas why not have it in publishing as well i think the as a really good point but as the doctor thing or the dentist thing is one of the i think it's a beautiful thing you don't have to sit on the hold to 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 make an appointment just go on there it. find the next available slot done i love it i'm not wasting my time on like you say on hold minor problems can be triage you know i've got access to things whenever i want i'm working during the day so if if i want to speak to somebody on the phone it's not practical but at night i can just log in and there you go i've got information at my fingertips and then when i do need to speak to somebody it's about something important or meaningful and i can you know they they've got time to dedicate to me then rather than taking it up with things that might not be as important to talk about on the phone. That makes sense. I think so that that that's a very good point then. So it is a valid point we've we've established and it sounds to me like you're both saying it's essentially finding balance between what should be done within the portal versus what shouldn't be done within the portal. So I think one of the questions then I would like to ask is if I was an author and of course uh, if you came to me and said right our our publishing house is now going to move give you an author portal 
let's say I was an author who was a bit apprehensive to technology and I liked to speak to people, for example, how would or how should the publisher go about selling it to me and putting me at ease and saying, you know, this is not your sole point of communication, for example. Like, like how would you handle that? Is there any tips for that, Sanjeev or Vanessa? I think it's it's a fair concern. And ultimately, I think it will boil down to the individual publisher being able to reassure authors that, you know, this is only adding to their experience and it's not detracting. And I think in the beginning, at least, it, it there, there needs to be a recognition that, you know, there'll, there'll be plenty of authors who not probably use the portal and will continue to get in touch with the publisher directly. And that's just out of habit. And I think this this is something which is, is a challenge internally more than with the authors, because if you're making a case that you want to invest in a uh, in this instance, we are talking about an author portal, then obviously there there is a, internally, I think there is a need to see how well it will be used. But I think there has to be an acceptance that this will be, we are talking about external actors here. And so adoption, you know, is, is not going to, is may not be as quick as one would hope. And I, I think if, you know, in terms of other things that can be, you know, it can help the transition. You have a lot of features and functionality, as Vanessa was saying, some very minor points or minor information that, you know, the author might want. They, they don't have to wait to speak to the publisher. They can just quickly go and access that data pretty quickly until, you know, uh, the publisher is available and then they can have a conversation, a longer conversation with context around that. That's, um, okay, that's just some good tips. I, I think I want to move on to the next point then. There was against portals and essentially it all boiled down to the fact that it was often perceived to be oof, creating portals. This is a lot of extra work. We'll have to set up users. We'll have to somehow monitor the system. We'll have to somehow monitor giving people access, resetting passwords maybe. We'll also have to build up a knowledge base potentially if we want to put stuff on there that's useful for whoever's using the system to come in and, and, and look at stuff. So we need to build this knowledge base, which we might have already or we might have in different places. And then, of course, with the extra work, there's potentially the, the need to migrate data. And then one of the common things, actually, in, in, in relation to this topic of creating extra work was people would say, oh, it's another system. So, you know, maybe there's already so many systems internally and processes. They have another system that they need to manage, maintain, and, and work with relevant processes for. So that was probably, I mean, that impression I got was that was probably the second point that came up against portals. So Sanjeev, Vanessa, how do you digest that one? What's your thoughts on this? And again, very valid point. So as I said earlier, I think publishers had initially gotten onto the bandwagon of trying to, you know, build a lot of portals very quickly. And it it was it it didn't quite work out in that first instance. I think at the time there was no clarity on on what people wanted out of this, and I think a lot of you know initiatives encompassed a lot of functionality which was trying to do too much in in one portal. And the second issue was, as you said, trying to build something ground up is is always going to be difficult, and especially when all of this data lives in different systems. I think what has changed now is that you have certain systems where it's quite easy to get all of this data from various different data sources, integrate them, and very easy to actually set up 
portals without having to go through the pain of actually building something from ground up. So that bit has changed. And I think that combined with a much more focused approach of what you would want an individual portal to do um, is probably the way forward and should address these concerns that have, you know, very fairly been pointed out. I think also once the system is set up, that there's a great deal of scalability and in the long run, cost saving as well, with the, the ability to serve multiple customers at once, multiple authors at once, and the time and money that it saves your staff. I think even if it is a bit of time to set up in the first instance, you're going to be able to increase capacity and save costs in the long run. So you weigh up how much benefit it has to your business, then maybe those first initial sort of hurdles setting it up will be worth it in the long run. Yeah, so we're essentially saying that there, yes, it's a valid concern. There's going to be there's going to be some work, of course, to do this, but in the long run, you're gonna you're gonna get some benefits from it. You're gonna get a lot of benefit from it. Is essentially what we would say. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's I think that's fair enough. the The next point that came up was, and Vanessa, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Uh, and Sanjeev as well, both both indirectly potentially, but people would would say something along the lines of, "Oh, ugh, portals, 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 portals." You know what that means? There's going to be cost associated with this. Is the cost worth it? Where's the monetary gain? Are we not going to lose money because of it? Should I do cost analysis? Do I charge the person, like the author, for example, for using the portal? Etc. So, of course, the cost aspect is, is as always, going to come up as well. And, of course, Sanjeev, Vanessa, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, no, again, I think, Kevin, it's, it's a good point. I think there are plenty of priorities within technology and publishing, and there's, there's always a desire to justify why we are spending at least something on, on portals. I think the portals is is there there are a number of benefits that you get especially because you are essentially connecting to your both your author side and your customer side it it's benefit that adds up in the long run and that coupled with the fact that the investments in technology now required to be able to do this sort of thing is not going to be as high as it used to be in the past is i think something that makes sense the other thing I would say is you don't have to go all in with you know a big bang sort of solution here. You could incrementally build it up, incrementally build up the functionality that you uh, provide through these portals, and you can then track you know usage over a longer period of time. So you don't have to spend a lot to get uh, a lot of benefit back. Is there is there an exercise I can do to forecast what the potential benefits are then? So you've said that, that you're going to get this back over time, but but if I was a bit apprehensive still, could I do an exercise or could I somehow forecast what the potential benefits would be? I think the, well, one thing is obviously to to be able to figure out the metrics that you have in order to track how your portals are being used and so that you can track how your investment is paying off. I think one thing, a lot of things over here will be in terms of how easily you're able to retain your authors, how easily you're able to attract new authors. And, and this is, is and will be an ongoing exercise. And I, I'm not certain that there are any sort of metrics that you can um, 
you know, set these targets against because this is still something that a lot of publishers need to do. But for sure, I think it can be tracked over, you know, a period of time to see how effective your investments are. Okay, that makes sense. And Vanessa, of course, from a project perspective, then cost will always come up, budget will always come up, big buying versus phased approach will always come up. Do you have any thoughts that maybe differ from what Sanjeev said on the matter? No, I think Sanjeev has covered it quite well. I suppose it depends on your business needs and aspirations. But it's something that you definitely discuss whenever you look to implement some that sort of project, whether, whether a phased approach is better suited for you. Okay, so we've, we've looked at the three. Those, those three things that I've just mentioned, and I'll quickly recap. It lacks human interaction. It creates extra work. And as a cost, those are the three common things that came up time and time again whenever we looked at this with publishers. And what I want to do next is move from those three pain points into just quickly discussing implementation. And when it comes to building a portal, one thing that I've that I've seen in, in different industries is that you'll have a need versus efforts matrix, and you'll draw this up maybe as part of your initial discovery. So if you think of a, of a graph, the vertical axis has got the need on it. The horizontal axis has got the effort. And of course, the more you need, the more effort it takes in theory. So for example, if you're going to build a portal with integrations, you're going to have a lot of data migration, et cetera. You're going to have lots of features, then it's going to take a lot of time. So one thing I want to ask, quick fire question in terms of implementation is, how do you address that need versus effort? How do you decide exactly what you need? What is the best approach here? How do you find balance? I think, well, the first thing is uh, you will have different areas of your own business, which will provide you the feedback as to where the biggest need is. I think marketing, for instance, is is a good place where you'll find demand for all of these portals because there's a lot that can be done there. Publishers would like author care. So I think checking with the internal team to see where the biggest demand is, is probably the first port of call for me in order to prioritize which area i should focus on uh, yeah for sure if you repeatedly getting getting an issue or feedback that where a portal could help then you know that's an area to focus on okay and generically speaking what makes a good self-service portal has to be easy to use and easy to understand what the purpose of the portal is so i would say trying not to too much into it, at least in the beginning, and and getting you know users used to the portal so that adoption is easier. Because I think in the first instance, what you want to do is get people to use the portal. And given that this is something that is there's no set template for this, and I think each publisher is slightly different. You also want to use the opportunity to get feedback from your users, from your external stakeholders, and improve the experience that you offer through a portal. Very good points. Vanessa, what do you think then? What would your sort of number one, or what makes a good self-service portal for you? It's that, well, it's there to make people's lives easier. So the easier it is to use, it's going to be efficient to get the information that you're looking for, simple, straightforward clean and you know as well it doesn't need to be cold the language that you, that you use on there is quite important as well just making it something that people would want to use like Sanjeev says there's no point in 
really having it there and putting that investment and time into creating a portal if it's not going to be usable. So just keeping it simple, really simple and clean. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, completely. If I was a if I was a user, I completely one hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent actually agree with that one. So next question then, we've talked very quickly about how to find a balance in the implementation and what makes a good self-service portal. Next question, the big question, should publishers try self-service? So for example, even if you're a publisher who's had a bad experience in the past with doing something similar or you're a bit apprehensive because you've spoken to someone who's done something that went wrong or maybe you're content and you're happy with, with the way things are going, the big question, should Publishers try self-service, Sanjeev. Absolutely, yes. I think that's the general direction of travel. More, Most of us are spending more time online. People are really comfortable using this channel. And I think the payoffs are quite, quite, quite good. So I, I would say the investment in this is definitely justified. Vanessa? Yeah, I think it's proven in many cases, many industries that satisfaction is improved by using self-service. Retention is improved by using self-service. I, I think that people are just so used to it now. It really does make sense to incorporate it where you can. Brilliant. And next question, which portal should be the number one priority? Potentially a very tricky question because, of course, we're assuming a lot of things about their business. But Sanjeev which one would be the number one priority? Yeah, that is a tricky question because I think different publishers will have different requirements. I personally, I mean, as 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 a general question, I would potentially target the author's side first. And the reason for that is, one is, you. I think we need in publishing to be able to attract more diverse talent and more diverse voices. And this is a very, very good way to uncover that and, you know, get different voices from across the world to be easily a, be able to approach a publisher and and get published. So I, I would probably focus on that. But again, as I said, this really depends on the individual publisher's requirements. Vanessa? You know what? I'm going to agree with Sanjeev. There's loads of benefits to having a portal for authors. Um it's easy to set up. You can increase pr productivity and you know boost your brand. So I think that's that's quite a good one to set up in the first instance. Perfect. Okay, so brilliant. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming onto the podcast and discussing this today. We're going to call it there because the thirty minutes are nearly up, and my producer, of course, is in my ear telling me that we need to stick to the deadline. But I, I think we could talk about this all day, actually. So thank you very much, Sanji, for coming on. Thank you very much, Vanessa, for coming on. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Kevin. Brilliant. Take care, everyone. Speak soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Join us next month on The Ribbon when we look at how you can break into the tech industry. We'll be speaking with Elena. She's our head of tech at Ribbonfish, and she'll be giving you some useful tips on how to break into the industry. So stay tuned for that.